0: This week, I talk to U.S. Senator Al Franken about graduation commencements and how we choose our paths in life. Sticking with the scholarly subjects, Tasha Radel takes a closer look at student loan counseling. And staying with the college theme, Mike Grimm goes one on one with Gopher basketball coach Richard Patino. But first, despite Republicans' fervent pleas, Governor Dayton this week let a tax cut bill the legislature passed on the last day of session die without his signature, what's termed a pocket veto, telling lawmakers he wouldn't sign a bill that has a $101 million mistake in it. But Dayton, also in an obvious attempt to gain leverage, might not have had at the end of the regular session, told Republicans he would not call them back into special session to fix the error unless they also agree to pass a bonding bill which includes his must-have list of projects and programs. MN's Bill Werner has been covering the post-session wrangling. Bill, where do things go from here?
1: Scott, the two sides are in the middle of a week-long cooling-off period before they meet again. In the meantime, they plan to convene a working group and hold hearings. Republicans say the governor broke his word because he previously said he would not link the tax cut bill to any other legislation other than the supplemental spending bill, which he signed. By the way, that aside, House Speaker Republican Kurt Dowd says, "I like the governor. I, you know, I may not agree with him um, on all of these issues, but uh, but we've had a good relationship. So I'm, uh, you know, my default position is I'm going to work with him and I'm going to try to trust him. But I-, I think we have to work at that." Governor Dayton expressed a different view midweek.
2: I get discouraged about the possibility of a special session. We can't agree on anything. They won't agree that they made a mistake, and they need to come back as a full legislature in special session to correct that mistake.
1: Well, for a close look at what's happening here, let's bring in a top analyst on matters legislative and political, Carleton College Political Science Professor Stephen Shear. Professor, what's Governor Dayton's strategy here?
2: What's happening is that the governor's exercising maximum pressure on the legislature, and particularly the majority Republicans in the state House, by rejecting the tax bill, a bill that legislators very much want, uh, by adding specifics to uh, his requirements for the bonding bill, which uh, further uh, puts pressure on Republicans in the House. Uh, He's trying to, I think, create a situation where he can get maximum concessions from them. You have to remember that the governor is not up for election this year, but all the legislators are. So the pressure is off him electorally, and as a result, he thinks he can put pressure on all those legislators who are running for office through the tactics I've just described.
1: So, do do they go for it? Uh,
2: there are some really big differences here. Uh, funding mm-hmm. for Southwest Light Rail Transit seems to be a, a you know a real line in the sand between the two parties.
1: It's going to be very difficult for us to take action on Southwest Light Rail when there's two pending lawsuits and, and there's so much unknown about the process that led us up to this point.
3: A bonding bill can't pass the Senate without a provision
4: in it that allows us to access the federal money for Southwest Light Rail.
2: There are a whole bunch of uh, differences about other contents of the bonding bill. Uh, could there be additional spending? The parties differ on that. Uh, so if there is some sort of grand agreement, it's not obvious what it would be at this point.
1: The, the timeline for this, um, now there isn't a deadline, really, not a constitutional deadline, uh, for them to get an agreement and call a special session. Uh, but are there other political deadlines that are operative?
2: Well, I think one of the key deadlines comes in July, July 4th, uh, is a big campaign day, uh, mm-hmm. State legislators like to go door to door. that takes a lot of weeks uh there 'll really be an election mode starting in July, and so, as the governor said, he 'd like to get this done in June, and I think legislators would as well. The question is, can they get it done, given the big differences between the parties?
1: They tried uh, but were unsuccessful in the closing seconds of the 2016 regular session to pass a bonding bill that was just under a billion dollars but now there are some indications uh, that uh, that they they still are not going to be able to agree on the number when they try to renegotiate it again uh, the 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 governor says that that halfway between the House Republicans last position stated which was 800 million dollars in his bill uh, which is about 1.4 billion, it, it is, is 1.1 billion.
5: I'm willing to
2: meet the House Republican caucus halfway between our respective positions. I urge them to be willing to meet me there for the good of all Minnesotans.
1: And the Republicans say, now, hold on a second here. we, we were talking about a $600 million number, and halfway between uh, the governor's number and that 600 million is right where we ended up on that bill uh, that, that didn't pass uh, on the final uh, night of the legislative session.
6: We're not going to let the
1: governor get away with saying we're going to start where we left off. Uh, that's that's not, you know, uh, our position was 600, his was 1.4, halfway is 1 billion. We were there on the last night of session. That is compromise. So we've got a problem even with the uh, uh, the operating parameters coming right out of the gate on this, don't we?
2: Well, that's right. Uh, the grand total is going to matter, but I think uh, the real sticking points are within the grand total mm, about mm. specific projects,
1: like Southwest yeah. Light Rail,
2: like Southwest Light Rail, like funding for the Medical Center at the University of Minnesota, and so forth.
1: Well, Professor Stephen Shear with Carleton, let's let me ask you one final question. Do you think ultimately that it gets done through a special session?
2: Uh, well, certainly a tax bill could easily be done uh, because I think everybody's agreed on a small change, but the governor wants more than that in this special right. session. He's putting pressure on the legislature to come up with a bonding bill deal. Um, it's going to require big flexibility on everybody's part to get any bonding bill. Uh, But the electoral incentives are strong for a bonding bill, so I would say it's a 50-50 proposition. First, that you get a special session, and second of all, that you get a bonding bill.
1: And it, it probably needs to be done before the 4th of July just because otherwise the train is leaving the station on the campaign trail.
2: Probably, but you know, if uh, the <laughs> leaders are desperate and the governor's yeah. desperate, this could happen uh, later in the
1: summer. Now, we didn't even want to think about them doing it just before the state fair. That
2: <laughs> <laughs> could happen. Hey, Professor. Uh, we're in uncharted waters
1: right now. Uh, we're, we seem to always be in uncharted waters of the last <laughs> few years. Professor Stephen Shear, thanks a lot for the time. Thank you. And, Scott, we'll have to wait and see how soon there's a special session, if there is one at all. Thanks
0: for that report, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this.
6: Who might you save?
4: Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son...
6: Learn fast. F A S T. The sudden signs of a stroke, and you could save
7: your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss,
6: coach. F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. F A S T. Face arm speech time. That's F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of
7: your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather.
6: So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you.
7: Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother.
6: Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters, I'm Scott Peterson. It's graduation season and many of us have already attended or are planning to attend commencement ceremonies. That includes Senator Al Franken who was recently on hand at Wilmer High School to introduce his former Senate Page and current 2016 graduate Muna Abdullahi. Franken has been at many commencements throughout his life and career and he says this one had a big impact on him.
3: I was blown away by what a wonderful commencement this was. It really, anyone could have gone to this commencement and had their faith in, in America restored.
0: My goodness.
3: Uh, well, let me explain. Um, the valedictorian uh, was a Latina uh, young lady um, who was a spectacular, who gave, her, gave a speech, and she was wonderful. And uh, Muna, who uh, I got to meet, I, I, I remember she. Uh, my office had interviewed her, and she was very impressive. And I get told that, okay, we you have, we we have a Minnesota Somali girl as a page. So I go down to the floor to meet her, and she's uh, wearing her hijab. And so uh, I go up to her, and I go, "You look like a Minnesotan." <laughs> And she uh she smiled, and uh, I was very impressed with her. got some, very poised. So this commencement, uh, I introduced her, and she just got this amazing ovation when she she came up to speak, and then she got a standing ovation at at the end of it. And uh, I'd say, I don't know, just eyeballing it in terms of the graduates, I'd say sixty percent white. You know Minnesotans, or were the Carlson twins and, right, you right. Know, and then uh who were great <laughs> you know who um and then there're maybe twenty five percent Latino and maybe ten fifteen percent Somali. I don't know if you put that all together Vietnamese a uh, couple of kids um, these kids loved each other. And the principal and the superintendent and everyone was so wonderful. And the the orchestra was beautiful. It was wonderful. And the chorus was beautiful. And it just restored my faith. It, th- this idea that America is angry and this can, uh, this was a beautiful, beautiful uh, commencement. And I um, uh, just, just, It was wonderful.
0: You know, I assume that you're probably asked fairly frequently to speak at commencements Mm -hmm. and and ceremonies and things like that, and I'm wondering what kind of uh, practical advice that you offer to graduates and people who have earned their degrees who are heading out into the so-called real world. Uh, What kind of advice do you give students who are making
3: that leap? I basically say to them, you know, some of you will have your entire life planned out right now and you will execute that perfectly flawlessly and I congratulate the both of you (laughs) (laughs) but everyone else you're going to have some bumps along the way and I'm not going to be here telling you that failure is the best teacher Uh, you know failure is kind of a bummer Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's going to happen and you have no choice but to learn from it and it's not that's a good thing And that, uh, you know, to go for it, to, to, uh, you know, bet on yourself.
0: Did you have everything planned out for yourself when you graduated high school and from Harvard
3: or not necessarily? No. Uh, When I graduated from uh, high school and went to, uh, the reason I went to Harvard is that I tested well. Okay. (laughs) I take tests very well. And mainly in uh, math and in science. And when I was uh, remember Sputnik, uh, you aren't old enough. I'm familiar with Sputnik. Yeah that was uh, I was born 1951. 1957, the uh, Soviets sent up the first satellite, and Americans were terrified because they had nuclear weapons and now we're ahead of us in space. So my parents marched me and my brother who's he's five years older than me into our living room and sat us down and said, you boys are going to study math and science (laughs) so that we can beat the Soviets. And I thought that was a lot of pressure. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. Put on a six year old, but we were good, (laughs) obedient sons and we studied math and science. And that's how I got into this great school was that I was just really good at math and science. That's what I thought I was going to do. I I thought I was going to be some kind of scientist. Freshman year, I had a crisis. And uh, I had met Franny already, and Franny um, uh, told me to go to the counselor's office, and I took this test, which was uh, what uh, careers are you most psychologically suited to? And scientist was last. Uh, they didn't have comedian
6: on it. They had uh,
3: <laughs> camp counselor was number one, and I'd never gone to sleepaway camp. And number two uh, was a jazz musician, and I. I didn't play an instrument, so I figured I had done comedy with all my life. I mean, I loved comedy, and Tom Davis and I, at, at in high school, started working at uh, doing Dudley Riggs' Brave New Workshop yep. together, and I did all this pointed to okay, I'm not going to be a scientist. I'm going to be a comedian.
0: Did you question the the accuracy of the test when oh, it, when it well, pulled up jazz musician and you'd never I mean that? Well,
3: <laughs> I think it was pointing to it was camp counselor jazz musician and to me that either meant I should be a uh camp counselor at a jazz camp <laughs> 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 which made no sense or a comedian because to me it said okay, they don't have comedian. <laughs> yeah. But um I'm uh, a social person, I like people, and uh, and jazz, you know, comedians, I think, tend to be like musicians. Dana Carvey once said to me something, which was, uh, there's no reason to be a comedian unless you absolutely have to be. And what he meant by that doesn't mean that you can't do anything else, it's just, and I think that's like a musician. A musician has to be a musician. They love music so much. And I think that uh, every comedian, that I know who's been successful, certainly, had to be a comedian in a way. So um, it all made sense to me once I took that that
0: test. And clearly you've demonstrated that uh, comedians can do other things.
3: I was, always did a lot of political satire when I was doing comedy, and at SNL obviously uh, wrote a lot. Well, not obviously, but I did write a lot of the... Uh, political satire yeah. that we did. So th- it was something I was always very interested in. And um, and more and more I moved toward that. And uh, I am now have the honor of serving the people of Minnesota in the United States Senate.
0: Thank you to Senator Al Franken and congratulations to the graduating class of 2016. More Minnesota Matters after this.
4: Your surgery is over
6: oh it's over what happened hi mr detweiler dr newman here you have a new knee it went great you'll be up and around before you know it and it's all because of you uh what did i do you were captain of team detweiler You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. What your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you patient safety it takes a team and patient involvement is key
4: a public service message from the american academy of orthopedic surgeons with more tips at orthoinfoorg slash patient safety last night we put
8: on an epic light show yeah we did the crowd loved us we love the crowd
4: wait but there were only four people out there yeah
8: but did you see their four faces all eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours (sighs) and we're fireflies yeah we Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah,
4: we invented it. And
8: we're gonna be out here every night rocking out our light show in a forest near you. Woo-hoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid, all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars, because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah,
4: and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you. And discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Each year, thousands of Minnesotans default on their student loan debt. As a result, the state of Minnesota teamed up with LSS Financial Services to offer free student loan counseling to those in need. MNN's Tasha Radel takes a closer look at this new pilot program.
4: Thanks, Scott. Minnesota College graduates carry the third-highest average student loan debt at $29,739 per student. If you're worried about repaying your student loans back, a new service may be able to help. LSS Financial Counseling is now offering student loan counseling for borrowers who are currently struggling or anticipate future problems repaying their loans. Now, unlike many other forms of debt, student loans generally cannot be discharged through bankruptcy and may take decades for borrowers to repay. And defaulting on student loans can also have a devastating impact on the ability of borrowers to access credit in the future for major expenses like a home mortgage. Joining me now to talk about the Student Loan Credit Counseling Program is Daryl Dahlheimer with LSS Financial Services. Daryl, can you tell us a little bit about the program in general?
7: We're lucky. We have the full range of helping people with budget and debt counseling, but also, Minnesota's legislature approved a two-year funding pilot for offering student loan repayment counseling for free to the public. And we made the bid, and so we are the state's vendor for that. And we are really excited to be able to offer that kind of repayment counseling for free to people.
4: Now, who would be the ideal candidate for this form of counseling?
7: Gosh, anyone who uh, is just getting started on their student loan debt or is falling behind, either one would be a good choice, I think. You know, the federal Serve, studied student loan debt and found that of the people who are graduated or who are done with school, 31% of Americans with student loan debt were running 90 days late or more. So it's like, gosh, there's a lot of us out there that could use some help sorting out what do I do with these loans.
4: Daryl, can you go a little more in depth on how the actual program works and, and maybe what people can expect?
7: What do you actually do in student loan repayment counseling is we help people understand really what are all the loans and types they have because there's often a mix of different public and private loans, and then there's different repayment options for every one of those loans, and we make help people make an action plan for all their debts, all their spending. We drive down their expenses and help them have realistic options. So. We calm people down. (laughs) Another uh, option that people have is there's some good places to find out some basic information on their own. The website studentloans.gov is uh, the federal Department of Education's website that has loan lookup. So you can look at all your federal student loans and figure out what do I owe to who. Another good resource is long uh, website name studentloanborrowerassistance.org. And that has all kinds of information about the kind of repayment programs that there are for loan forgiveness and income-based repayment. It can help sort through all those. Anyone who has any issue at all about what do I owe or how do I get it paid back, we want to help them.
4: And just to put this in a better perspective, 15,000 Minnesota students defaulted on their federal student loans in 2012 alone. Well, Daryl, we're about out of time, but for someone wanting help, what's a good first step in making that uh, appointment?
7: Call LSS at 888-577-2227 That's our number and you schedule an appointment and that appointment can be in person at our offices statewide or it could be by phone counseling and we also have some online.
4: Lots of great information, Daryl. Thanks again for joining me today. That's Daryl Dahlheimer with LSS Financial Services. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this.
3: You wanted to see me?
8: Yes, please. Have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore.
5: We want to hire you. You're,
0: you're serious?
5: Absolutely. Find your
6: next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs.
4: I won't let you down.
6: I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher men's basketball coach Richard Patino has been under fire since his team won only two games in Big Ten play and suffered a handful of off-the-court issues. patino has publicly taken responsibility for some of the woes and has expressed confidence that his team will turn things around. He spent two days this week touring Minnesota as part of the Gopher Road Trip 2016. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm, who also serves as the team's play-by-play announcer, sat down with the head coach, in Owatonna on Tuesday. Tuesday.
5: Thank you, Scott. Richard Petino, head basketball coach, University of Minnesota, joins us here on Minnesota Matters. And, coach, you spent a couple of days on the Gopher road trip, uh, getting out and about in a couple of different stops. Uh, what was the feedback like for you, and was it good to get maybe
8: out and, uh, and see some of your fans? Yeah, you know, it's funny um, when you have a tough season like we have, your mind races a little bit, and you almost separate yourself and you forget how much great support we really have. Um, You know, it's overwhelming the amount of people that say, listen, we got your back. We believe in you. And sometimes as a coach, people don't realize. Sometimes as a coach, you need that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it revitalizes you. It energizes you. uh, Because sometimes you just read too much. And and, and everybody's doing their job. And I certainly understand that. But we still got playing support. Uh, We're extremely excited. And I've always said it. I always thought this fourth year was going to be the year we could really take off. And I still really believe that.
5: And certainly as you go through this, I mean, people talk to you. What do they say when people come up? What, is there any specific things that they uh, – I'm sure they all have advice on, on what, what you should be doing and all that, but what, what's in general what, – what kind of response are you getting?
8: You know, it's really funny because people do not know what to say. It's uh, <laughs> it's always easier when, you know, like our first year won the NIT. And, um, you know, people say, hey, we're excited about this or whatever. But when you have a tough year – they want to be supportive. They don't always know how to do it, um, you know, but, but 99% of the time, they really mean well. They understand it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a profession where, unfortunately, uh, you're going to have a tough year every now and then, and, uh, you know, you don't want to do that, uh, but I think in the end, people are compassionate. They can relate to it, um, and, and they're always just there for you, and that's what I always say. I, you know, I, I hope people understand You know, sometimes just come up saying hello—it means a lot, and uh, I always appreciate that.
5: Have you learned anything? Because you haven't had necessarily in your professional career—you've been at places that have always won. Have you learned something having to go through maybe taking a nick like like this team did this past year?
8: Oh, a thousand percent. Now I will say this: you never want to deal with it, but when you have a tough year on and off the court, and a lot of the circumstances in our control or out of our control, you learn a lot. You know, you learn a lot. From a support standpoint, who's got your back when times get tough? That's important. But also, where you can get better. You know, a lot of people have kind of nicely said to me, oh, you can't be around your kids 24-7. And and there is truth to that. But we can always control how we respond to certain situations. And are we doing the right things when it comes to culture? I believe we are, but we can always get better at it. You know, when it comes to recruiting, are we identifying the right guys? I believe we are. And, and, And sometimes, an off-the-court issue here or there wakes everybody up and it wakes your kids up sometimes more than your staff and and, and that's always good it's tough to go through but it's always a good learning experience for everybody
5: and certainly you know there are there were things that weren't great but by and large what we're finding out when you look at the numbers and you look at different things this university and this athletic department including your program has a lot of
8: good people involved in it yeah you know it's it's almost awkward in the sense of we've got a lot to be proud of and I think everybody looks at men's basketball and says oh you know you guys are really hurting the brand. And I'm not one to say, like, I totally understand that, but I think we're positioning ourselves to be proud of a lot of things. What's really difficult when you endure a tough season, it's not like a two, three game losing streak where you can dig in, get ready for another game. You've got to sit through a lot of long days where you can't do anything about it. So we definitely have a lot to be proud of uh, when it comes to the whole athletic department. We have got to start getting people to understand a lot of the good things that we have in men's basketball. Um, You know, our record is not good enough. That's, I I can't say that enough. But we there's a little bit of a, uh, in my opinion, there's not that wide of a margin from changing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he can be flipped pretty quickly. Uh, we graduated Charles Bugs and Joey King, both kids I'm extremely proud of. Even Carlos Morris is very close to getting his degree and he's working on it. I'm proud of those guys. Joey King just got the Sportsmanship of the Year award um, at Minnesota. Um, Jordan Murphy, all freshman team. We've got of our scoring back from last year. We've got a top 25 recruiting class coming in. We've got transfer sitting at who are going to make a difference. So it seems tough right now, but I truly believe we've got the team to flip this and get everybody to start talking good about us again. I got to ask you about Reggie Lynch. I
5: don't. Maybe you can't even talk about it because there is the investigation going on. People, it's documented. What you know, what the situation is. What can you tell us about that? I mean, we don't know, I guess. And you're kind of in a holding pattern
8: here. Yeah, basically nothing's changed. Um, you know, it, the difficult point part is you never really know how long an investigation's going to go. It could end today. It could go on weeks. I don't know. Uh, you know, so we're sitting tight right now. I guess from a good stand, you know, timing standpoint, we don't. Have, we don't really need to do a whole lot right now. Um, you know. So we'll sit and wait. Um, I think the most important thing is to let the investigation play out uh, to make sure everybody's thorough with everything uh, and to make sure you know we figure out what's going on. So we're sitting back and waiting uh, more than anything, and, and we can afford to do that right now. Very good, thanks for catching up. Thank you. All right, here's Head Coach Richard Pitino on Minnesota Matters. Scott, back to you.
0: Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.